It is the 200-level Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Thursday evening, a little bit later than I usually do these midweek podcasts, but been a busy week at school. And then Wednesday, when we would normally do it, I had to go see a movie. Love the talking head. Stop making sense. One of the best concert movies ever. Last night that it was in the theater, so I had to check that out. And here we are on a Thursday talking about an Illinois football game that, if we are being honest, not a lot of buzz. Not a lot of buzz about this one, and understandably so. It's been a weird week, dating back to the Purdue game, and a week that has really just brought this season to a crashing halt. Not that it ever got started off in some, you know, really forward momentum kind of way. I mean, really, from the jump, this has been an arduous, laborious season to get through, through five games. And then, what is it, Tuesday night, the stadium's on fire. Now, I'm not going to belabor that point because fortunately it was really a non-story and even by the time I got over there, you know, I went on my run today and kind of ran around the lots in the stadium and you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know there was any fire there. So good thing it was minor and nobody was hurt, of course, but there was something symbolic about it that I just couldn't really find the dark humor in. I found it depressing because... <laughs> As Trevor said in our text thread, just cancel the damn season. I mean, and at a point, it kind of feels like that so far. Five games in, and of course the season's not over, but because of the history that Illini football fans know all too well, and because of what we've just seen with this team in a vacuum, there's not a lot to get excited about. So we're titling this episode Now or Never, because that's essentially what it is. I am not excited for the Illinois-Nebraska game in a way that I typically would be excited for an Illinois football game in the Big Ten, especially the way I thought I would be after last season. But it should be said, if this season is going to be anything, however minute of a chance that may be, it's got to start against Nebraska. And if it doesn't, we're going to be having, I mean, you thought last Sunday's podcast was depressing? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Just wait until a Saturday morning after we lose to Nebraska at home. I hope that is not the case. I hope to God, or whatever you believe in, that is not the case. And frankly, it shouldn't be. It should not be the case. Nebraska is not a good team. Now, granted, right now, you aren't either. Nebraska is a team that really struggles offensively and is fairly one-dimensional. And, of course, you struggle offensively, but... You've seen bits and pieces where you think, God, just stop shooting yourselves in the foot and maybe you can score 20 points. You'd hope. Can Nebraska? I don't know. And then you know on defense you got some guys and you'd like to think you got the third-year head coach. But this is what this game is all about. It's not about the players on the field. It's about the future of the Brett Bielema era. And if you think that I'm being hyperbolic or you know, way too premature about this, I would understand that because... I think Bielema, regardless, is going to get five years. Even if this year tanks, I think he still gets five years. And frankly, the way Illinois football histories went, whatever. I I wouldn't be against that, even if things go really, really poorly the rest of the way this year. But I think that for a lot of fans, many of whom have already tuned out, and you'll see that in the stadium or the lack thereof of people there on Friday night, A lot of people have already decided, oh, this is Illinois football and it doesn't matter that Brett Bielema might be the most accomplished guy they brought in to be head coach. We're just doomed to this perpetual badness. I think that's what most people think. I don't fault them for that. 
because Illinois football has done nothing to disprove that notion. In fact, Illinois football only reinforces it every opportunity they get, seemingly. But it's a big game for even how I view a Brett Bielema because I have been on record many times in this podcast from the day that it seemed like it was imminent that you were going to hire Brett Bielema. And I started doing some digging. And like any fan, you try to, whether it's rationalize or talk yourself into it, or just try to find the positive press clippings and the things on the Wikipedia article that make you say, oh, th- this could work. Yeah, I did that. And then I listened to his opening press conference and I thought, well, this is a guy that I think gets it in a way that no Alani coach in my lifetime has gotten it. It being... A, a Big Ten head coach, right? There is something very unique about being a Big Ten head coach compared to an SEC where we saw Brett Bielema struggle. I thought that there were ingredients there that could make this work, and I still do. But it has been an alarming start to the season. And we could look at these five games and say that this is just simply a matter of some new pieces and some veteran players not quite clicking. The chemistry's off. They're trying to figure things out. But... The other side of it, which again is hard to fault any Illini fan for going down this path, is I've seen this story before and I'm sick of it. I'm tired of these follow-up seasons that just pull the rug out from you and remind you that sustained success is elusive. So I can't say for certain that tomorrow night, or if you're listening to this on Friday, tonight against Nebraska, is going to tell us anything huge about the Brett Bielema experience. But I worry, or I, that's the negative side. The negative side would be I worry that it might. And then the positive side may be in the affirmative. I think it may show us that Brett Bielema does firmly have this uh, control of this program. We saw earlier this week, dating back to the post-game press conference after Purdue, the Brett Bielema was very, how do you say, he was a little bit more open about his displeasure and that there were going to be some hard conversations. Now, he kind of backpedaled that a little bit Monday, or if not backpedaled, his tone was a little bit more mm, congenial, let's say. And all that said, I still imagine the tone that he had Saturday is much more the tone that he had Sunday in those offices with his staff. And then on Monday, when they started practicing again in this short week of preparation, This is a game that I would imagine he is fully in charge of. You know, I was texting with Trevor and Isaac, and Trevor made note that Bielema was not even going to be at his coach's show. And he kind of started this theory that this is Bielema saying, that's it, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, damn it. This is my game plan, top to bottom. And that he said, I'm too busy, tank right, you go do the coach's show on Wednesday. Makes sense to me. I could see this being a game that even Brett Bielema recognizes he cannot lose because it does go beyond just the 2023 season. Losing to Nebraska just for this season puts you at 2-4 and four with two probable losses coming up against Maryland and Wisconsin. And then you'd be staring down the barrel of 2-6. and six. For this season, that is a disaster. For the long-term health of this program, that could also be a disaster. You're entering the 18-team Big Ten era. And right now, if we're to rank the health of programs, boy, um, 
you're not looking so hot. And two and six would be absolutely disastrous if you're trying to position yourselves as a team of any relevancy going into the new 18-team Big Ten. Excuse me. So I think Bielma recognizes the short-term and long-term consequences of this. And I hope there's an urgency, not just from him, but from staff members that, frankly, their jobs are kind of on the line here. I mean, Barry Lunny, if you were to say, is he going to be back next year, flip a coin. And that kind of starts, or I should say really ramps up tomorrow night or Friday night, one of you are listening to this, against Nebraska. He's got to start having an offense that performs better. Aaron Henry, first-time play caller. Uh, the returns aren't great. And we will see what happens going forward uh, the rest of this year. But I could see, just like the Tony Peterson situation, a quick change being made, or do you even say a demotion? You know, you make him a co-defensive coordinator and you bring in a more experienced guy, or you just throw a boatload of money at Jim Leonard, if that's even a possibility. But I think Brett Bielma sees the writing on the wall here and that this is imperative to win this game. Whether or not this team makes a bowl game, which I don't think, they are. I mean, they have not shown a damn thing that would indicate they can win four more games. They have not beaten a Power 5 team this year. And in fact, they've looked terrible in every Power 5 game so far. It's not good when the best Power 5 performance you had was a 20-point loss almost to Penn State at home. That's not a good thing. But all that said, your schedule is not getting any harder after the, after the next two weeks, especially. It's going to ease up again and give you an opportunity to win some games. So this is staring Brett Bielema and this team and this program, for that matter, right in the face. Are you going to get your act together just enough to make a run towards a bowl game? If you do, I think you get a few thousand people back that you might have lost in the first five weeks of this season because I think you've lost a lot of casual fans. And apart from a really good homecoming turnout, you're going to look at a lot of empty seats unless this thing turns around really quickly. And it has to start Friday in front of, let's call it 35,000 people, and probably 10 of those, 10,000 of those will be Nebraska fans. That's fine. That's fine. But (laughs) now or never, man. Now or never, because my fear is that if you were to lose a game like this, this season does go into a tailspin. And then how do you recover? Is Brett Bielma good enough recruiter to recover? Is he adept enough at the transfer portal, which he did not utilize much this year or this offseason as far as getting Power 5 transfers in? Is he adept enough at that portal to get immediate help and turn this thing immediately around next year? What does it mean for all the staff members, many of whom we felt confident about, thinking, wow, this is the best well-put-together staff. we got a coaching tree growing from Brett Bielema at Illinois. Well, I don't know. Do we? Was Ryan Walters really the reason that you had success for the first two years after a game like Purdue? That's a question that is fairly being asked. So now or never, Brett, and everybody else. But don't forget, it starts at the top. I think he would want it that way. I think he would take that accountability himself. But it does go back to the man that you gave an extension to, you gave the raise to. They need to be better than this, and it needs to start now. The 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or one of the favorites like a Maui Wowie or Buffer Zone. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. I would hope, I'd hope after the Illinois-Nebraska game, you can get a celebratory calzone. I'd really hope so. 
But even if not, you can just get a somewhat slightly pissed off and apathetic about Illinois football zone. There's not actually a calzone name that, but what the heck? dpdo.com state farm agent brian hansen online at brianismyguy.com excuse me tripping over my words a little bit life auto home business renters you name it brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well the best thing about brian and his staff customer service second to none they are extremely quick at getting back to you and you already know that you're going to get great state farm prices that's brian hansen your state farm agent at brianismyguy.com also dogtown heating air and plumbing your home's best friend give them a call at 217 841-4728. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Get your furnace check scheduled. I mean, it's about that time. We're going to have a cold cold stretch this weekend. And uh, there's some other cool things going on with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing as well. I want to tell you about one of those. Dogtown is the people's choice number one HVAC company again in 2023. I'm not surprised by that. They want to celebrate by offering 0% financing on Lennox High Comfort Systems in single component units for qualifying applicants. So that number, 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Great gallery of all their stuff. And they're doing, let's see, patios and decks. They'll be able to do that well into the fall, maybe a little bit in the winter as well. They can do home additions kitchens, bathrooms. They are very versatile at what they can do along with the great customer service that you don't always get from contractors. Knowing Luke and his staff, I can guarantee that that is not the case with them. They're really good at getting back to you, which is, hey, that's half the battle sometimes with these jobs. So owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you, the listener. If you could rate and review us at Apple Podcasts, that is a big help. We've gotten some new Five-star reviews in there. That And legit, it does help because when people search for Illini, we are one of the first podcasts to show up thanks to you, the listener, and the feedback that you've been giving on Apple Podcast. All right, let me get some coffee here, my, my decaf coffee in the evening. I'm a coffee fiend, but I also don't want to stay up all night. So, yes, I have plain black decaf coffee around five o'clock, and I just love the taste of it. I am actually one that does enjoy the taste of black coffee. That aside, I I don't want (laughs) to... It sounds like I'm trying to avoid the conversation of Illinois football. And I guess in a way, there is part of me that is scared that if they lose to Nebraska, I I don't want to know what that's like. I, I said the same thing before Purdue, and like I said on Sunday, the week goes along, and I'm sure that by the Nebraska game, I will find some sort of thing to latch on to and get excited again, you know, but I'm not excited. I'll still be happy to watch a game, but if you want to know my level of excitement and don't judge me, let's not do the judgy fan thing. We've talked about this, but I'm watching the game at home. Now, why? Why would fanboy carp, the guy with the podcast, not go to the game? Well, a few reasons why. One, tailgating is a chore. I love it. I'm not playing the world's smallest violin. I love every bit of it. But we we played a gig Saturday night. Sunday I wake up, and I think the last month and a half just all caught up with me. I was physically, mentally exhausted. Not enough to get hospitalized for it. I know people that are legit dealing with exhaustion far more than I have to. This is all self-inflicted. I love doing stuff. I love setting up tailgates. 
I love going to concerts. I love going to games. I love talking about Illinois sports. But I got a day job and I got other things that are responsibilities, right? And I think it caught up with me and I took a, a personal day on Monday from work just to kind of recover, you know? And not, again, this is not anything that serious, but I also said to myself, wait a second, you know, Friday night tailgate against Nebraska, the game ends at 1030, 1045, because this is FS1. They're going to milk every freaking ad break they can. I'm not, I'm not into it. I'm not. So what am I doing? I'm taking the big screen TV in the basement. I'm taking it up to the patio on a cool early fall evening. And me and some friends, we're just going to watch the damn game. We're just going to watch it. I don't have the emotional investment right now to also put in the physical and time investment of tailgating, going to the game, etc. If this were a Saturday game, you bet I'd be there. But Friday after a full week of school and everything else, I'm just now... And God bless you that are doing it. You you do your thing, and I hope that there's still a good turnout. I just, I'm not one of them, not this week. And it's not the same way that, let's say, last year after the Indiana game, I said, I'm not going into the Virginia game. And I hold to that. Very steadfast, very stubborn. I'm not going into that game. Darn it. And then I went into Chattanooga and every other game. It turned out to be a pretty fun year, right? But my thing when... Illinois football or basketball start disappointing consistently is I emotionally divest. Now, what does that look like for the rest of the year? Well, winning cures everything. So let's say they beat Nebraska. Then when I'm in Las Vegas next weekend, I might say to Kara, hey, you know, like we'll be walking around Vegas, but let's make sure we find a couple spots at these gigantic Casino resorts on the Strip to find a TV to watch Illinois, Maryland on NBC. If the game's close, you know, just saying we'll keep an eye on it. And no matter what, I'm going to keep an eye on it. But will I be keeping a more watchful eye if they beat Nebraska? Of course. To me, the emotional investment in a team, it's sort of like a health meter on a game of Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. And right now, I feel like I have just been pummeled. And it's that moment in Mortal Kombat where one more really aggravating, frustrating Illinois football loss. It's like, finish him. And then I'm out I'm out for the count, right? I'm watching. I'm talking about it. I'm hoping that they get better. But a loss to Nebraska, and I'm probably fully emotionally divested because I am at that age. And I think COVID kind of reframed a lot of things too. You know, what I really appreciate and enjoy spending my time doing. Sports are always part of that, but... I also realize that it's also not something worth getting truly pissed off about. I fail at that sometimes, like the Kansas game was legit pissed off. But Purdue, even if I hadn't had a gig, I would have turned the TV off and I would have done yard work or something. I would have just moved on because my mental health, my emotional well-being, and I know that sounds like fancy schmancy words for a freaking sport but let's be honest if you're listening to this podcast you're a crazy fan too it's a conscious choice not going the game not going to tailgate yeah i'll be there you bet 7 a.m for wisconsin 7 a.m for indiana 7 a.m for a probably freezing cold northwestern unless they're like three and eight god forbid if that's the case but, yeah, just needed a break. Plus, with Vegas next weekend, 
trying to just enjoy some time at home. And this is best of both worlds, man. I get a Costco pizza or I get some DP dough calzones and me and my friends, we sit outside, we have some drinks, we smoke a cigar and we got indoor plumbing 10 feet away. How's that? Well, I guess they had that at the stadium too, but yeah, it's just a long-winded way of saying, and I'm sure every approach is different for every fan. I emotionally divest when it seems like the time is called for it. And right now I'm at that very low level of fandom where it is, okay, beat Nebraska. So at least for the Wisconsin game, I can have something, you know, the part of me, the, the fandom that always brings you back is, well, you know, if this happens and then this happens, well, then maybe case in point, they beat Nebraska, they compete against Maryland, they are not going to win. I can guarantee that, almost guarantee. And then you're three and four going into Wisconsin, and okay, yeah, you don't feel great about it, but then by the time kickoff happens, you are you got that fandom part in your brain, that little tick that says, okay, come on, guys, we can do this. Well, come on, win this, we're four and four, we're feeling great. Yep, I can totally fall back into that mindset, and that's only if, only if they beat Nebraska. I came into this three-game stretch, as many of you know, saying you got to win three in a row. This is the part of the schedule where you make hay. And Fort Atlantic was underwhelming, but you got the win, and I granted them grace saying, well, it's a lesser opponent. Maybe you played down to them. Maybe you were looking ahead of Purdue. And then you laid an egg at Purdue. Now, the argument can be made, and if you want to do the Tim Beckman 17 plays thing, we can go that, though I don't know if it was 17 plays. But yes, is it a different game? If Luke Altmaier does not fumble into the end zone, if he hits Boyer for a touchdown, and if Pat Bryant holds on to the darn ball. Is it a different game? Yes, it absolutely is. But here's the problem, other than losing 44-19, to which is the primary problem. But there has been a weird passivity that seems to be emanating from this team. I know Jeremy talked about on a couple good podcasts this week, that Purdue and Ryan Walters, that was an attacking defense. And they've gotten bit so far this year with that, and much to the chagrin of Purdue fans when they started 1-3 and three and gave up a lot of points per game. But if you're going to go down, go down swinging. If you're going to lose to Nebraska, I'd rather be on man coverage on the outside and... I don't know. Taz gets his ankles broke from some great move from a Nebraska wide receiver, but at least you were going for it. At least there was not this drop eight and wait. Defensively, the passivity seems to be at an all-time high. They are not getting to the quarterback. They are not attacking. And they're still, by the way, even with that passivity, they're still getting all these penalties called because they're really handsy in the backfield and they sometimes do stupid things as well. It's the worst of both worlds. When you don't want them to be aggressive, they're being aggressive, they're talking trash, they're getting penalties called on them, mostly on third downs. But when you want them to be aggressive, they're dropping eight and just sitting and waiting for what? The other team to make mistakes. That is a lame-ass brand of football. If you're going to go down... Please go down swinging. Offensively, we've talked about this a lot. What are they? I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. Barry Lunny doesn't know. He might know what he wants them to be, but I don't think he's done a very good job vocalizing that this particular season. 
because the identity question gets brought up and there's never a good answer. If you're going to have an identity, please let it be one that is attacking the opposing defense. If Luke Altmaier is going to turn the ball over, don't let it be on a, "Ah, I got sacked ah, and I fumbled it into the end zone. Rather, let it be on, he's taking a shot downfield and it just gets picked off. I would take one of those interceptions against Penn State, for example, where he's trying to be overly aggressive over the ah, running away from the Purdue defensive end or whoever it was on the blitz that did not get picked up and just ah, fumbling it in the end zone. Sorry for the sound effects. But the point is this. If you're going to lose, and this team is going to lose more games this year, I think we know that. How many more? I don't know. But if you are going to lose, please don't do it just sitting back on your heels and waiting for the other team to make mistakes that ultimately may never come. Force the issue. Act like a team that has a few pieces that can make plays. Or, more to the point, how about you just start making plays? Defensively, you started to see a little bit. I think a turnover or two against Purdue, right? You know, you finally saw signs, but where are the interceptions? Where are more fumble, forced fumbles and recoveries? Where's a big play on special teams? You're getting close to some of these big plays offensively, but you just can't sustain anything. I think there is a path to waking up Saturday and feeling like, okay, okay, maybe. And you know what that path is? Of course, the win is part of it. But outside of margin of victory, which I'm not at all concerned about, when you're two and three, margin of victory and style points don't matter so much. But eye test does for me. What that eye test would constitute is, did we act as the aggressor? Did we force the issue against Nebraska? If it's Nebraska forcing the issue against Illinois, the season's over. And I'm worried that this game might start And Nebraska wants it more, shows that they want it more. They run it down your throat. They say, we're going to win old school, ugly Big Ten football. Matt Rule kind of establishes, this is the identity I want. This is Matt Rule football at Nebraska, which would really suck if if it happens here in Champaign. But it might. And that's my fear. You cannot let that happen. Of course, you got to win. Okay, that goes without saying. You cannot lose this game if this season has any shot at even being mediocre. You lose this game, you are staring down the barrel of three, maybe four wins. How fun. Ugh. But it's even worse, and the issue is compounded if you see Nebraska being the one to force the issue against you. That cannot happen. I don't know what it was like over at the Smith Performance Center this week because the coaches seem to not say the things were hunky-dory, But, I don't know, they didn't look visibly pissed off. I mean, maybe that's silly of me to say because what coaches do that during press conferences? They're being professionals. But I'm hoping that the Bielema we saw Saturday is the Bielema that you saw within those walls of the Smith Performance Center. This is his program. His thumbprints need to be all over this. They need to be all over that game against Nebraska. And if they are not, I'm worried not just for the rest of this year because I'm already worried for the rest of this year. I'm worried this team just straight up stinks. And right now, all the indicators suggest that, yeah, right now they just stink. 
But if they can't fix some of these things, then I worry about the whole damn experience. And I am tired, oh, beyond tired, of having to worry about whether or not Illinois got a head coach that can actually sustain success. Because that has been the same song and dance my entire freaking life. It's the kind of thing that is keeping people away from the stadium. A one-off uh, weekend where it's keeping me away from the stadium. If I'm being honest, it's just, yeah, I don't have the pull. But I still want them to win. And I want them to have some bit of you know, intrigue the rest of the year. Because it's only October 5th as I record this. There should be a lot of season left. But if you lose to Nebraska, there's not. There is, but really, there's not. There's six games left with no intrigue, and you just straight up stink, and you're going to lose a lot more. It's got to change, and uh, I'll make a prediction. What the heck? Illinois. Oh, God. This is, I am so torn. <laughs> I'll do it one more time. I don't believe in jinxes, hexes, or anything like that. So don't worry. Me me predicting this has no bearing on the game. But yes, I do think Illinois gets the win. 24, Nebraska, 17. You know, Nebraska should not score that much. Offensively, I think you saw the cracks, and I know it was Michigan last week, but I think that Nebraska, as good as they have been defensively at some points this year, you got to consider the opponents a little bit. I think this is more of a FAU game than a, well, certainly Penn State, but maybe even Purdue, because the difference between a Purdue and a Nebraska is that Purdue does have playmakers on offense, and they have a legit quarterback. If you were to put Nebraska's offense with Purdue's defense, I think the outcome could have been different last week, because you knew as offensively, if it's not Hudson Card on the other side, you probably don't need to score 30 points, but because Hudson Card is on the other side, you might have to. All things being equal, I think this is like Purdue, but with this Nebraska offense, and that is a very different beast. It's a one-dimensional beast that needs to run the ball effectively, and Illinois seems to do a little bit better when they can key on one thing. So I'll do it one more time. Maybe it's foolish. 24-17 to 17, Illinois. But the key for me is not just getting a win. The key is, okay, were you the aggressor and were you forcing the issue? And if so, at least I can wake up Saturday, do a podcast, and say, okay, listen, it's Nebraska, but you know what? You're 500, and here's what's left on the table. That would be a much more fun conversation to have. And that's the one I hope to have. So get it done. One more thing to talk about. Going to keep this relatively abbreviated. The Big Ten opponents were announced for 2028, 2024 through 2028. So here is the list. Starting with next year, Illinois will get five away games and four home games, and that will alternate each year. So next year, the home games, Michigan. Michigan State, Minnesota, Purdue. I think Michigan stays on there because 1924, if I recall, that was the Red Grange year, the dedication of Memorial Stadium. I think Illinois probably wants to do a big thing for the 100-year anniversary of that. And then the away games are Nebraska, Northwestern, Oregon. That's cool. Penn State and Rutgers. 
So you're looking at Oregon and Penn State as sure losses, and you're looking at Michigan at home as probably a sure loss as well, unless Jim Harbaugh goes pro and then they fall off a little bit. But I got to be honest, the schedule could be worse. I think it could be a lot worse because you still get Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Rutgers, and Michigan State. A Michigan State team that might be reeling next year as well. So, I don't know, 2024, I don't think he got screwed. 2025, you get four away games and five home games. Your away games are Indiana, Purdue, Washington, and Wisconsin. Then your home games are Maryland, Northwestern, Ohio State, Rutgers again, and USC. So, you know, Ohio State and USC. Hey, that listen, whether or not you beat them, that's cool to get USC in town. That's really cool. And I was hoping to get one of those marquee West Coast schools here. And you do early on in 2025. Yeah, that's not an easy schedule. But again, I don't think Illinois is getting screwed here, everybody. I, I really don't think that these schedules, if anything, I'd have to look at the others, but they seem relatively well balanced for Illinois. All right, 2026, your away games are Maryland, Michigan State, Northwestern, Ohio State, UCLA. That's tough sledding. You got to figure out, you got to see where Maryland's at with Mike Loxley if he's still there in 2026. But, you know, Ohio State and UCLA road games, yikes. But at least my wife and I, we've talked about this. We'll be, we want to go to East Lansing because that's our alma mater. And that was going to be a game next year. Instead, they're coming here, but Illinois will return the favor in 2026. Your home games in 2026 Iowa, Nebraska, Oregon, Purdue. Cool. Yeah, again, I've seen worse. I actually expected worse before these schedules came out or these opponents. 2027, Illinois, four away games, five home games. Your away games in 2027, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, USC. Your home games, Indiana, Northwestern, Penn State, UCLA, and Wisconsin. That's a fun home schedule. And then finally, 2028, which kind of silly to even read this, but what the heck. Your away games are Indiana, Iowa, Northwestern, Oregon, Rutgers, in your home games, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, and Washington. Listen, things change. Some teams we see on a schedule right now don't scare you, but they will scare you by the time you play them. And some teams that might scare you on the schedule now may not scare you by the time you play them. Success can be fleeting. I thought the Big Ten did a good job splitting and spreading out the Tier 1, the marquee opponents, so no team gets super loaded with the A-listers, so to speak. Now, this is all relevant, or irrelevant, excuse me, if you just turn into the dredges of Illinois football that we've seen before. Like, if this thing just really dips, it doesn't matter what your schedule is. I'd like to think that Brett Bielema is not going to let it get to that point, that there's more competency, right? So my excitement for these opponents that are coming up is entirely contingent not just on the Nebraska game, but you could argue a little bit. I mean, (laughs) I do think the short and long-term success are more intertwined than we sometimes think. Because when you're a program like Illinois, momentum is absolutely essential. Once you get past the initial, hey, we got a bunch of open spots, come play for us. Once you get past that, then you got to start selling on-field success. And you did that to an extent last year, but if you don't follow it up, or worse yet, if you follow it up with like a three or four win season, that's immediately going to turn people off. And I don't know what your sales pitch is at that point. 
So just please, Brett, stay stay semi-relevant so we can actually look at these future opponents and do the old dare to dream. Well, I like this game. I like that game. One last point about scheduling, though. Can we just buy out of these Kansas, Duke, and Missouri games? And you might be saying, whoa, 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 Carp, why would you buy out of the Missouri games? I want to play three patsies. I want three wins. So we only need to get three in the conference. I don't need Illinois football to win Big Ten titles because, one, they won't, and two, whatever. I'll, I'll save the conference championships for basketball. That's okay. But I do need football Saturdays that leave me thinking, okay, we're working towards a bowl game more often than not. Schedule three patsies. Buy yourselves out of these agreements. Why play Duke? Why play Kansas? Why play Missouri? It, do, it doesn't help. The idea early on was that maybe the tougher schedule would help you. You know, he played the likes of a Toledo, good MAC team, and then Kansas on the road, a good Big 12 team, and then you play Penn State. Hey, that's going to get you ready for the Big 10 West. And then Purdue kicks your ass. I don't think there's much of a correlation. A win is a win is a win. Michigan plays a bunch of scrubs in the pre in the non-conference, and they're going to find themselves to a national title appearance in all likelihood. It doesn't matter. They got the three wins. They used that as basically their preseason. And then they knew what the path was forward to get what they wanted to get. What we want to get are bowl games. Buy out of these games. You have the money to do it. Get out of them. And pay teams to come in here to beat them. Please. I don't don't want to tailgate for Illinois Duke. That's going to suck when they... Like, let's be honest, the way that they're trending, that's that's a loss, potentially. Give me the surefire win. I Why not schedule like Minnesota with Glenn Mason used to do, which got them to seven wins every year with three scrub opponents in the non-conference, and then they won four and five in the Big Ten, and then they made a bowl game. Seems easy to me. That's all I need. I don't need Power Five opponents. You already got nine conference games in one of the Power Two. I don't need to play a team from the ACC. I don't need to play Missouri in football. Ugh, and lose to them again? How fun. No, you might be saying, Carp, don't be scared. It's Illinois football. I'm not in a position to come in with my chest puffed out and say, ha ha, let's beat Missouri. We've never done it in my life. Never. So, not counting on it. Last rant of the day. I seriously would be considering that. I know the look is not good initially, but everyone gets over it. Missouri fans, Duke fans, Kansas fans, whatever. It's a story for a day, and then you move on. Indiana bought themselves out of the Louisville series that they had going for football. Smart move, because they aren't going to win those games. Schedule a patsy, beat them, and get one win closer to a bowl game. Rant over. All right, hey, for those going to the game tomorrow, enjoy it. It's going to be a nice fall evening. Again, I'm setting this one out. Uh, it's not a protest. It's just I need I need the break. Need the break. Plan on being back here Saturday morning, though, for a podcast, and I hope it is one where we can talk about some positives because, boy, it feels like we, we need it for our own football fan health. We kind of need it. And if there's a game that affords you an opportunity to – Play to your strengths, which I would think would be the front of your defense, even though they haven't shown it. And then an offense that, I mean, they don't need to score 30 points tomorrow. You know, like, let's say, let's put this hypothetical out there. Illinois wins, like I said, 24 to 17. Caden Fagan has a good game, right? 
running just like he did at the end of the Purdue game, that second half. And Luke Altmaier doesn't turn the ball over, and he's effective in the passing game. And you have a strong run defense. Yeah, let's just say those are the three things that happen. Then you're feeling pretty good, right? And I would take that in a heartbeat. So here's hoping that's what happens. All right. Like I said, an abbreviated episode. Sorry I didn't get this out earlier this week. But before we go, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Also, Owen Builders LLC. Go online to owenbuildersllc.com for a gallery of their work. Patios, decks, kitchen, bathrooms, home additions. That's owenbuildersllc.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network and you, the listener. I'll be back in the tailgate lots for the Wisconsin, Indiana, Northwestern games. This is just a one-week break. Uh, but for those going, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the nice, cool fall air, and hopefully an Illini victory because, by God, do we need it. It is the 200 level. level.